Welcome to the First Team College Football Recruiting Show with former NFL QB Matt Sims, Irish Breakdown Recruiting Analyst Ryan Roberts, and former college long snapper Joe DeLeon. Welcome back to another episode of the First Team College Football Recruiting Show. I'm Joe DeLeon, joined by former NFL QB and founder of Sims Complete QB, Matt Sims, and also joining us, Ryan Roberts, Irish Breakdown Recruiting Analyst. Today, we're moving on to corners. We've talked about so many different position groups so far. We've got four very talented corners that we're going to be discussing on today's show. If you've missed any of those earlier episodes, make sure you go and check those out. A lot of great conversations. You don't want to miss out on knowing who the next great player that is going to be playing at the school that you root for, your alma mater, whatever it might be. Make sure you're caught up. But those four corners that we are discussing on today's show, Cormani McLean, A.J. Harris, Desmond Ricks, and Malik Muhammad. Guys, as we always do when we open up this show, I love to talk about the philosophy when we're evaluating some of these guys. Now, there's one guy in particular, and we're going to get to him, that's a little harder to evaluate because he reclassified. But there's always traits that we're looking for. A lot of these guys play receiver. A lot of them are very explosive. Very quick acceleration. Ryan, I want to head to you first, as always. If we're looking at these corner prospects, these recruits, what are the number one things that you're looking for in a recruit? Well, this is my my own personal taste, is I always prefer guys that have a scheme versatility to them. You're going to find guys that are great zone coverage corners. You're going to find guys that are great man coverage corners in that realm, press man, off man different styles that will fit into certain schemes a lot better than others, right? Like Richard Sherman, if he wasn't selected by the Seattle Seahawks and that style of defense, maybe wouldn't have been quite as successful as he would have been on a different team, right? So there are definitely schemes that fit to player strengths better. So for me, if I have a guy now that can do multiple things really well at a high level, guys that can play zone, that can play man, and can do multiple things for a defense, that's the players that I think are really at a higher level for me. There's definitely there's value to be found everywhere, but scheme versatility is a big thing for me uh, as opposed to scheme dependability. There's a big difference there. And what makes a player scheme versatile, Joe? I mean, to go into the traits, right? Length always helps. Athleticism Straight line speed is very important, but more than anything, mirror and matchability. So the ability mm. to change direction and stay in phase on wide receivers. Those things, I think, are transcendent traits to being able to play both man and zone schemes, as well as having good eyes in zone coverage. So scheme versatility is always my number one. And with those, there's obviously traits that parlay to being successful and being successful in multiple schemes. Yeah, I mean, I think it's something that you're hitting all the right points. Absolutely. And it really is, again, just as we said so many times, or at least as many times as I said in the show, just beauty is in the eye of the beholder in these situations with corners, what you're looking for. Uh, yes, the new trend is absolutely going for, you know, that length and athleticism on the outside because receivers are, you know, typically on the outside getting a little bit taller, a little bit longer and faster than they have been in the past. And those are things that I think are, are pretty obvious. You know, it's the most difficult position in all of football you have to be the most athletically gifted person on the football field to be a really good corner and with the advantages of the game tending more towards the offensive side of the football more than ever and it's continued to continue to trend that way you just need guys that are just pure athletic freaks on the outside the cool thing is that all four of these guys that we're going to talk about today you know fit that mold 
And the one other thing that I would add in there, and it goes in line with what you just talked about, Matt, I think now more than ever, it feels like the best athletes are playing wide receiver and they're playing corner. A lot of kids, when they start playing as freshmen, it used to be, you know, guys were excited to play linebacker. They were excited to play safety, other positions along the defense. But now you talk to any kid who's coming into high school, they want to play corner. We all see the contracts that those guys are getting. We all see that the, uh, the offers that a lot of these guys in this class are getting from big programs. Cornerbacks are a premium and really, really good ones are even more of a premium these days. So there's a reason why the four guys we're talking about today are all fantastic athletes. And, and just to add to that, Joe, I'm sorry, yeah. just because you, you no, raise a great point and I apologize for cutting you off, but I think yeah. it's something too, for just like our, you know, our young viewers and everyone out there that's listening to us, that seven on seven thing, I think is really a huge aspect to why these guys are as talented as they are on both sides of the football, both you know, as a corner and as a receiver. And I think that's something that just those type of programs every offseason are going to continue to help these players develop because these are four guys, too, that we see. We see highlights of them on the offensive side of the football. We also see just like superior ball tracking ability by guys that in the past it was a really talented receiver that couldn't catch. That's why you play defense. Now you're seeing a guy that's like he could play receiver, but he is an awesome shutdown corner. Yeah, and I, I think that that's a great note too, Matt, because I would tell every corner, because I remember talking yeah. to J.C. Horn when he was coming out of South Carolina. He was a dynamic wide receiver coming out of high school. And it was actually his right. dad, Joe Horn, who was like, you need to go play corner because there's not enough <laughs> of those types of guys, right? Yeah, and I think yeah. That having that wide receiver background helps in so many different ways. You mentioned the ball skills. You mentioned the ball tracking. Those things are very important. It's also important, we're going to talk about a lot of guys that could maybe excel in some zone coverage, being able to understand why a wide receiver, yeah. where, where their split is on the field, why, what route concepts they're running, how they get in and out of breaks. All those things, I think, really help to maturing at the cornerback position to totally. be kind of in the minds of what a wide receiver wants to do. Yeah, so that, great point. That first guy, I think, really exemplifies what we're talking about here already. Playing receiver, playing corner. Our first player we're talking about today, Cormani McLean, number one corner, in this 2023 class, her 247 sports, five-star recruit, Lakeland High School in Lakeland, Florida, listed at six foot two, 165, currently committed to play at the University of Miami. And guys, the things that we see with him as a ball hawking corner, the amount of picks that he put into his highlight tape is really good proof of his skills as a receiver. Now, what I found really interesting that I found on on three is that apparently his intention was he wanted to play receiver. He wanted to be a star receiver at the next level. An injury thrust him into the corner position, and he has done nothing but excel since. And again, those hands, that awareness, the ability to find and track the football and take it out of the air, pop up all over his highlight tape. Ryan, I want to go to you first, talking about Cormani. What are some of the things that you noticed when you were evaluating him as a prospect? I mean, he's a, he has the whole the whole profile. I mean, because he could, he could, Joe, he could live off of the fact that he is six foot plus with long arms and he's a really nice athlete, both in terms of long speed and change of direction. He has all those physical profiles where you would say that's good enough to just get by on natural traits. But the thing that I love most about Kermani, and you mentioned the ball skills, which I think are tremendous, but he also has incredible zone awareness. Like you see him kind of work off of short routes that kind of work on uh, underneath of like of um, like flag routes and do different things like that and make big plays in that in that ascension. 
And for me, he reminds me a whole lot of Darius Slay, who plays obviously for the Philadelphia Eagles now, who is a six foot plus corner, 32 inch arm. So he has good length and a good size profile all the way around. But the thing that made Darius Slay so impressive coming out of Mississippi State and continuing on from Detroit now to Philadelphia is Yes, he is a athletic kid who fits the whole profile, but the eye discipline he plays with, the zone awareness, the ball skills, everything is there. So I look at Kermani McLean, I'm like, hey, he can play in a man scheme, he can play an off man, he can do all those types of things. But then being able to mix in the zone opportunities that he could have to drop down, jump some routes, fall back on routes, intercept passes, he has great zone awareness. So I see Darius Slay when I look at Kermani McLean. I think he's got the whole profile He's got every attribute you look for to be a scheme versatile corner at the next level. And you you hear Ryan say, you know, he's a six plus corner. So, you know, just letting you know, Cormani, he doesn't buy that you're six two. <laughs> all right. But listen, I believe that you're six two. Um, Ryan, you make so many great points. It's Cormani was a fantastic watch. Uh, he, he, to me, might be one of the best players that we've seen this entire process that we've done here in these 10 weeks that we've been together. Yep. Uh, the, the reading and dissecting of plays, his his physical awareness on the football field, like Ryan mentioned, it is definitely on a whole nother level than, you know, much m- the majority of high school uh, people that we're going to watch. Right. So that was truly impressive. Um, confident catcher as a receiver and as a defensive back, you know, is that guy that you typical cliche. It's like, oh, he ran the route for him and caught it with confidence. And, like, you you see that from time to time. I think one thing that really jumped off to me, too, was his ability to bat footballs down with his inside hand without actually having to, like, grab with the opposite arm and hold on to the person that was running the route. He was that confident to where, like, he could just extend it, bat it down with that inside hand and really not cause any contact whatsoever with the offensive player. The other aspect, too, is just – He's a really good punt returner. Mm-hmm. He plays hard. He blocked well as a receiver, you know, which I love too. So he's got both of those things going for him. And and I think the most, you know, exciting thing when we talk about the the position of corner which we kind of separate, you know, the Jalen Ramseys and the Darius Slays of the world from He's a really, really good hitter, and he's a confident hitter, and he does not shy away from contact, and that is something that you just have to be super excited about for landing a player like this. Right. The one thing with McLean that I made sure to make note of is the tackling ability. And yeah. Like any guy who showed really good tackling, I made sure to write it down, and that wasn't the case for every single player that we're talking about today. But his tackling skills, there's a lot of corners these days that make business decisions. Like we even see Jalen Ramsey do it from time to time, who's one of the top guys in the NFL. To have that ability, that willingness, that grit to make those tackles, that to me is one of the separators from a really good corner to an elite corner. And he has a lot of those skills that we've highlighted here, the length, the acceleration, uh, the quick feet, all that stuff is fantastic. Now, the one thing that's really unique here, or less unique, but advantageous for a McLean, why we should know of him now and pay attention to him for next season. So he's going to play at Miami. And right now, Miami is not a very good football program. They're not a very good football team. This is going to be second year for Mario Cristobal as he's trying to redirect the success of how that team is doing. The guy like Cormani McLean stepping in and playing early might be how you shift the tone of that defense i think of out of any of these guys that we're talking about on today's episode 
not only situationally does he have the best chance to step in and start right away as a true freshman, but most importantly, he also has the skills and the talent to step in and play right away. And he might be one of those freshman All-American type guys based on what he has put on tape. Well, I, I like the fit with Miami in the sense that I think that he's going to have really good coaching at the cornerback position. They have Demarcus Van Dyke, who's their who's their cornerback coach, who was at Georgia previously, and obviously he did a tremendous job over there with guys like Eric Stokes and Tyson Campbell and, and the really good cornerback groups at Georgia over the last couple of years. And he, I mean, he did it at Miami, right? He played corner at Miami, played in the NFL for a little bit. He was also a tall, long corner who, you know, had to learn kind of the game from inside now. And I think that Kermani McLean coming in is a much more advanced player for his age, which I think will help him tremendously, Joe. But I actually do like the individual coaching that he's going to get at Miami. I think that even though it is a struggling program and Coach Cristobal needs to get things turned around, obviously going forward into his second season and beyond, I do think that he's going to get some nice coaching early on. And I agree with you. This is the type of kid that's plug and play. Like he's a kid that you just throw out there day one. You have to understand that cornerback is a position where you're going to make some mistakes. The best corners are the ones that have the short memory, right? So you throw him out there, let him get into the fire a little bit, let him come back on the other side. He's going to make some mistakes. He's going to make a lot of great plays. And I think that this kid is, like you said, early favorite for a freshman All-American. Like this is a legit five-star player. This is a guy, top 10 player in the class, maybe top five player in the class. He's that type of kid in my opinion. Yeah, you know how we kind of like hate the whole, you know, star ranking and all that stuff. But if there was someone that should get five stars, it is definitely this dude for sure. He he fits that mold. Absolutely. And I will say, you know, to that point that you're making, Joe, and, and to add to, to what Ryan said, you know, corner is the one position, too, where it doesn't really matter if you're even on a good team or not. You know, you can really just show out your natural physical ability out there. Hey, it's man coverage. If he locks somebody down and they still lose by 70 points, but the guy that he was covering only had one catch for 10 yards, it's like, dude did his thing. You know, it's he's not really in a position like maybe a quarterback or a receiver or a running back where it's like you need to find an environment that'll help you be productive. You know, at corner, he can be extremely productive even if he does have, you know, a, a situation that maybe isn't super favorable. Um, but, you know, he's somebody that, like, I don't – it doesn't matter who he plays for, man. He's he's going to make some good plays, and he's going to make an impact. Hey, Kermani, that yeah, island absolutely. over there, that's yours, sir. Kermani, Kermani <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. it, man. That's it. Yep. But, you're, you know, you make great points. You know, it's just like the exciting thing for him is, is that you see him developing into a really good man cover guy. But you can also see him excelling in like a great zone concept too with his length and his ball tracking ability. And just to wrap up that point on Cormani, like I think back to two very recent high-performing guys that started as as true freshmen or, or very young players. Like Jalen Ramsey came from a bad Florida State team. Right, and he's exactly from, who I thought about. Exactly, and he yeah. can – uh, Derek Stingley is the other one, too, who came from a very bad LSU team when he left, didn't even really play his final season, made the business decision to leave. And we look at the success that he's having right now. But that's a really good point that we're going to have a guy like him who doesn't need to be really on a good Miami team to get recognition and uh, and to be validated, validated for being as good of a player. I don't know why I said it like that. <laughs> that's a great word. Validated. I liked it. Yeah. Uh, it's Latin. It's yeah, it's not. Yeah, it's the Latin pronunciation. This is what yeah. happens when you wake up early. Uh, it must be nice on the East Coast for you guys. <laughs> That's right. Uh, guys, let's get to our next player, AJ Harris, who is the number four cornerback per 247 sports. 
a five-star recruit, Central High School in Phoenix City, uh, Alabama. Six foot two, 170 pounds, committed currently to Georgia. So Alabama was able to steal him away. Now, guys, the fun thing about talking about Harris, he's played some safety in his time in high school. Shows a little bit of that ball hawking ability, that awareness at the second level to track the ball and not only make plays with the ball in the air, but come down to make plays on tacklers, those various things which are fantastic. Overall, what is one thing that we've already emphasized so far is that versatility, that ability to play at safety, that ability uh, to play at corner. And I'm sure that's going to help him get on the field early. We'll talk about that at the end of his evaluation. But, Matt, I want to go to you first. Watching A.J. Harris, what are some of the things that you really liked about him as a player? Well, similar to Kamrani, you know, just the size and the length is just apparent as soon as you put the tape on. You know, the other aspect that really jumps off immediately is just his ability to change direction, his ability to put his foot in the ground, change direction on a dime without any fall steps was super impressive. And, you know, again, for me, and you can kind of see maybe where I would fit into if I was a defensive coach, I just love his physicality. I love the fact that him and Cormani are extremely fearless with hitting and just attacking the ball carrier. And I love that fact of it. You know, if, if I'm a D corner, those are the type of people that I want in the field, the guys that are willing to put their helmet on the football and make physical contact. We saw it multiple times at safety. I said it to you guys in our pre-pre-show that I, I actually – do see him as being an elite level safety. Um, he did have really good man skills. He absolutely did. So it's like I'm not discrediting his his ability at corner uh, by any means. And I think he shows, just like Ryan mentioned too with Cormani, great awareness and zone as well. Um, but I also see like this is a time too where, you know, if you're a school and you're a school like Georgia that has the ability to take advantage of versatility – I would love to have A.J. Harris as that free safety or strong safety because he's also showed multiple plays where he is very comfortable at the line of scrimmage in stopping the run and also being a pressure type of uh, nickelback or safety. So versatility is off the chart. A.J. Harris, phenomenal football player. And man, again, Georgia just landing another dog, you know, on that side of the football. It is ridiculous the, the fact that they just find – all these great football players. That's really what it comes down to. Just another great football player to add to that defensive side of the football. Landing another dog. Was that a pun, Matt? It, was it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't like planned, but it came out so naturally that I just went with it, you know. But dude, it's it's ridiculous, right? I mean, like they I, I don't know what he'll be, just like a lot of the other players that we have seen from Georgia, mm -hmm. but it doesn't matter. They're they're football players at the end of the day. Yeah, now it's really well said, and it's especially getting this type of player out of the state of Alabama for Georgia is big time. Totally. It really is. Five-star level player out of the state of Alabama in the hotbed that's, you know, is the Crimson Tide's backyard. I think that that is tremendous for Georgia to be able to get him. And the one thing that you said, Matt, that I think is the one thing I want to highlight the most in this one is that when you're scouting and you're watching players, there's preconceived notions that go in your mind sometimes. So when you see a guy like an A.J. Harris who is long, physical, a guy that has that, that profile that you look and say that's probably a press man corner at the next level, there is some thought to you that says, hey, he's going to be extremely long, probably going to be pretty fast, but how does he change direction? How does he stick his foot in the ground and get in and out of his pedal? And that was the thing that popped completely off the radar for me was that I had a preconceived notion that this was going to be a long-limbed guy, maybe not the greatest change of direction player, but then it was like the second or third rep into his highlight tape, and you're like, oh, 
that guy is a different type of short area mover. Like he can change right. directions. He can flip his hips. So you're like zone coverage. Absolutely. You're like off man now at his size, which is a pretty rare thing to have can do those types of things. And then you flip his junior film on and you see him actually be a absolute playmaker at the safety position as well. So where the modern NFL is going, in my opinion, is that you want these types of players on the back end that can line up in so many different spots. Think of how the Rams have used Jalen Ramsey now, right? Like he's an outside corner on one play. The next play he's playing safety. The next play he's playing their star position, which is just basically their big nickel, right? And this is what I think A.J. Harris could be down the line. Not stylistically super similar to Jalen Ramsey, but in some regards he is. But I think that the position flexibility he has, the alignment versatility he has in the secondary, that is a huge sell because I think he could have he could wear so many different hats in his secondary, which I think makes him a rare player. I'll be very honest. I watched Kermani McLean and I was like, wow, I, I think that this is going to be a tough act to follow. And then I watched AJ Harris <laughs> yeah. like, he's different, but he's in- exceptional in his own right. Absolutely. Good thing you watched the, uh, the right AJ Harris to provide that uh, analysis, but uh, we we think back to recent guys that have come out of Georgia in their secondary. Tyson Campbell, Eric Stokes. We've got Keely Ringo, who's in this upcoming draft class. There are a lot of really talented defensive backs coming from Kirby Smart, and we know his capability to not only develop defensive players, but defensive backs in general. He's done a fantastic job. If we're just kind of projecting, like, how do we think someone like this is going to fit at Georgia? Is he going to fit in that facet that you guys are discussing playing multiple spots in Georgia's defense maybe is he a little bit later to get onto the scene than a guy like Cormani what do you guys think for for usage for him I mean it's possible that it happens a little bit later just because of the fact that they have a ton of really good football players that are already in their program so he will absolutely have a tough time finding time early but that doesn't matter you know he'll be developed the right way he'll be seeing a lot of other people do it the right way right in front of him in that same room He'll have years and years of film to go back and to see other guys that Kirby has gotten his hands on that has helped improve their game on the defensive side of the football. You know, and, and really the cool thing is, is like the versatility, like Ryan is mentioning, he'll have the ability to at least be flexible early on in the process to find his way as a nickel, as a safety, as a corner, you know, and, and that's really, again, the bonus and what I, you know, just clap my hands for, for Georgia, which is finding a guy that is just an all around football player that understands the game well, and then they will tie it together the way that they need to. Well, you know, I think it's a really underrated part of the Georgia team over the last couple of years too, Joe, is you know, we talk about Jordan Davis. We talk about Jalen Carter. We talk about Devontae Wyatt, Trayvon Walker, Adam Anderson before his legal issues. Like the defensive line has been just absolutely stellar and stupid over the last couple of years from a talent perspective. And then right. you throw in guys like Quay Walker and Kobe Dean. Those guys on the second level who are really explosive football players who can also blitz a lot of ways. But for them to be as aggressive as they want to be in Kirby's defense – you need to be able to play some man coverage on the back ends. And this is what this kid, I think, brings to the next level is that, hey, you want to be aggressive in the front seven, you have to be able to cover. And that's what they've had over the last couple of years is you've had Eric Stokes, you've had Tyson Campbell, you've had Keely Ringo, you've had mm. really talented secondaries, which right. allow you to be aggressive in the front of your defense. And I think that this is one of those kids that, like Matt said, whether he lines up early on at safety, in the nickel, 
outside corner, or whether long-term he's a guy that can be kind of that move chess piece. Regardless, he's going to give you some coverage versatility, some coverage variety that's going to allow you to continue to be the aggressive style defense that we have seen under Kirby Smart of the last couple of years. No, I absolutely love all those points. It makes perfect sense. This guy is going to slot in very easily whenever he gets that chance to play in that Georgia defense. Now, our next player is going to slot in very early because he reclassified Desmond Ricks, the number two corner per 247 Sports, a five-star recruit currently at IMG Academy from Bradenton, Florida, six foot one, 170. Now he's uncommitted, but he is projected to commit to LSU, which at this point, based on what I keep seeing on Twitter, seems to be a foregone conclusion unless somebody comes in at the very last second. He is uh, related to Eli Ricks, who was previously at LSU, is now at Alabama and has been playing corner for them before he enters the NFL draft, likely in the 2023 NFL draft. As what I am referencing with the reclassification, he originally was one of the top 2024 corner recruits, and then he reclassified. So this did make his evaluation a little tricky because he's got less film than other people, but it is to his advantage that he reclassified and is immediately put as the number two guy in this class, which is pretty crazy and proof to the talent that he has. Ryan, going to you first on this one. Related to Mm -hmm. Eli, plays completely different than him. What are some of the things that you liked watching him? He is a very interesting evaluation. Because like you said, I mean, we have to grade on the curve that this kid is technically a high school junior, right? Like there's still a massive jump that he would ordinarily take from a junior to a senior year. That's just going to happen now from 2022 season to being a freshman in college. So it's a interesting comparison and it's not an, it's not a it's not a truthful comparison comparing him to AJ Harris for instance right we're watching senior film versus junior film and not even the most high quality of junior film you know there's a lot of practice, practice. clips on there it's it's not the it's not the easiest evaluation of all time to your point the things that you love about Desmond Ricks though is that his body type i think is very reminiscent of what Joey Porter Jr's is at Penn State right now like this kid is 61ish somewhere in that ballpark but he has vines for arms, man. Like he's got those arm le- that arm length where you're like, I don't need to see him even take a snap. You see him before the snap lined up and you're like, that kid has length for days. And I think that there's a lot of nice attributes to that, right? Like he has a great reach. He's able to break up a lot of passes. He's able to stay in phase with taller, longer corners. I mean, so, excuse me, taller, longer wide receivers. Those things are all great. I will say, though, because I think that he can turn and he can run pretty well, but I do think he's a little tight-hipped right now. And, again, that's why this is a tough comparison, Matt, because we know that when you make that junior to senior jump, there's an athletic bump that usually happens, right? Like, you usually take a massive leap. So could this kid get a lot more flexible in the next year or so? Could he get a lot more loose-hipped? I think it's possible. I saw a little tightness, though, but I think if a team is going to use him as a – cover three heavy scheme, maybe a little bit more press man where he's going to open up and he's going to turn and run instead of having to change direction a ton in tight spaces in like an off man look. I think he can be really successful, but for me, he's just a big wild card right now because we just don't have enough data on him, in my opinion, to make a complete evaluation. Well, I think part of his evaluation too is just the fact of uh, his family lineage at that position and their athleticism. And even though he's not exactly, you know, the same type of player that his brother is, um, it's still important. You know, we had that same discussion with Archie here early in the season. We were talking about quarterbacks that, you know, he's just 
in an environment that is obviously conducive to him learning the game of football pretty well. I think that applies here to him as well. Um, you know, going forward, yeah, it's a very tough evaluation. You're absolutely right because of just the the situation of the years, the the changing of the grade, the film aspect of it. Um, you know, one of the few guys that we've gone through actually that really doesn't have as much film as, as some others that we've evaluated. Right now, what you're doing, if you're LSU, you are absolutely just recruiting the raw potential ability of him. Yep. And you're just going by the measurables. You're going by the fact that he's 6'1 with praying mantis long arms and that he is a good athlete. He plays the position well enough to where a, you think if you get your hands on him, he is going to progress into another level of a football player. You know, And at the same time, he looks the size that he claims to be. He has those long arms like he's saying, right? The change of direction is really good. And even though you don't have, let's say, as many wow plays as some of the other gentlemen that are on this list here today, um, there is still that that potential of becoming that player in that next that next line. I would say this is the Joe for the NFL drafts kind of comparison here, right? Like this is a kid that you take in the late first round that is not a complete a complete product yet, that is not a finished product, but you know the upside is immense. Like it's a little bit of a gamble, but he obviously has a profile where if he's developed properly, he could be a very good football player. No question about it. Yeah, for right. sure. And we have to keep that in mind with all these guys that none yeah, of these yeah. guys that we've talked about through these all of these 10 weeks, we can sit here and you can listen to the three heads on your screen. But at the end of the day, these are all projections. We have no idea, you know, so we, 10 years from now, we could be talking about somebody that was number 50 on this list at corners, you know, as being one of the greatest of all time. You just never know. No, absolutely. And the the one thing I will say is the reclassification aspect of it does provide some complications, but it's interesting. Yeah, we can agree, though, that Desmond Ricks is probably one of the few exceptions where it makes sense. Now, the one thing that does need to be acknowledged, the opposite of what we were talking about with Cormani is with Cormani mm -hmm. developed older recruit, I also believe, and he's been around the block. He knows what he needs to do. He's going to step and he's going to play right away. I think a guy like Ricks, like to your point, Ryan, as well, you're not going to bring him in right away. Like this is somebody that's going to develop. If he turns into the player that his brother Eli was at LSU, you're getting a great zone corner. You're getting a guy who has really good length, really strong tackler, is going to just look really, really nice in cover three wherever you want to utilize him. That's what we saw from Eli. And Eli's been fine in Alabama. He hasn't been uh, an elite-level prospect, as I think as some people have projected him to be in this 2023 NFL draft class. But if he just turns into his brother, Eli, you're still getting a really, really good player. And I think you get a little more twitchiness, a little bit more fluidity than what we saw from Eli early on when he was originally at LSU. It is, before I let you hop in, Ryan, it's a little mm -hmm. funny, though, that Eli leaves LSU to go to Alabama. And that was actually, there's a little drama behind that. LSU <laughs> fans don't like Eli Ricks for leaving. And now all of a sudden, all I see on Twitter is, oh, we're going to get Desmond Ricks. Desmond, Desmond Ricks is coming, and they're all excited that Desmond Ricks is coming. But you were so happy to get rid of his brother. It's just a, I just have to throw that out there. It's the funniest thing that I, I keep <laughs> well, seeing on Twitter. Desmond is going to make up for the uh, for the bad blood in the family, apparently, with LSU well, fans. Transfer. So that's it, man. I, I would like to say this, Joe. I, I think the things that we have, can't talk about enough, and Matt hit on it a little bit with the lineage, right? He's been around the game of football. He's working at IMG Academy, so I know that the training program there, the nutrition program, is going to get him ready to play on the next level tremendously. 
And shout out to the young man. I, I think that we kind of skip over the, the the reclassification talk too soon sometimes. I mean, the young man is graduating in three years. That is impressive work ethic yeah. and being able to get himself to this point. So I have no doubt that when he gets to LSU or whatever other college that he ends up at, that he's going to work tremendously hard. And I'm sure that he's going to reap the benefits pretty early on in his career. 100%. Let's get to our last guy that we've got on today's show, Malik Muhammad. Number five corner per 247 sports, a four-star recruit from South Oak Cliff High School in Dallas, Texas. Now, he's one of the few guys that we're talking about today that are under six foot, five foot 11, 175. That size does not hold him back as a prospect, as we all kind of agreed before we started taping that there's some really fun things about this player. He's currently committed to Texas. He's also related uh, to a, a number of, of relatives that have played at the FBS level, but the most recognizable is A.J. Green, not the one that played at Georgia and for the Cincinnati Bengals, but the other A.J. Green who played at Oklahoma State and then eventually uh, the Cleveland Browns for a little bit. Guys, despite him being a smaller player, though, my man plays like he's six foot three. I got to yeah. say, I got to throw that out there. He plays like a big, uh, aggressive corner, which is always fun to talk about with any of these players. And I, I'm not going to draw a comp, but I'm going to bring something up later, Ryan, that might irk you a little <laughs> uh, bit. But Matt, uh, I want to go to you first before I do piss off Ryan. What did you <laughs> like when watching Muhammad? Uh, so, you know, similar to A.J. Harris, to, to uh, Cormani McLean, you know, I love the fact that he has great vision into the backfield, can dissect plays extremely well, and just has a great understanding of where he is and where offensive players are that surround him in that back end of the defense. So that was one thing that was very apparent from the beginning. Ryan's like, I'm out of here. No, he's staying. Okay, good. Um, you know, the change of direction was legit. The great hands and the striking, especially at the line of scrimmage, I thought was very impressive too. Very comfortable with just like that press jam and then release type of technique. Um, you know, the other aspect again, where again, you know, for me, you see where I think about defensive guys, not afraid to hit, does not hesitate and is very aggressive tackler again. So I love the physicality that he brings. The closing speed seems like legit, like on another level. You know, there was a few plays where you could just see that he takes like proper angles and he can close the gap between him and the ball carrier extremely fast to the point where it's one of those you have to just kind of go back and watch it again and again because it's just on another level of ability. Um, and then you see the punt return ability. You see the ability to play press man and to be comfortable in zone. So Malik Muhammad, great watch. Uh, Texas getting another really good solid football player that again I think has the ability to play both safety and corner and potentially a nickel at that next level so again the versatility that Ryan alluded to earlier Joe he has cement blocks in his hands man mm. like this is the <laughs> yeah. pressed man corner get into your grill you're not getting off the line of scrimmage but you can also and to Matt's point he has good change of direction so he can play in zone he's played safety he also is a very good wide receiver, so he has some straight-line speed to him, which is nice to see. He has some ball skills, but this is a press man corner at the next level, and he's a darn good one, man. Like, this is an yeah. intimidator. Like, I would just be like, Malik, when you're ready to play, brother, <laughs> you are going over there, you're getting in wide receiver one's face, and you are just being a dog all day. This is a dog at the cornerback position. I got to know Malik a little bit because he was recruited for a little bit by the University of Notre Dame. I know that I will tell you this, that his personality is exactly like his play on the football field, man. He is a very 
aggressive kid. He's a very engaging kid, and he talks a lot. And you can tell just by the film, man. So he's a fun football player. He's a potentially dominant football player in a press man system that also utilizes some zone. This kid is, I mean, he is an intimidator at the cornerback position and a great tackler, absolutely great tackler. Yeah, that physicality, I think out of any of the guys that we talked about today, his is the best. And it's funny that it's the smallest guy that we're talking about is the most physical, is the most aggressive. And it shows up in everything that he does as a run defender, playing the ball in the air, pressing at the line of scrimmage, all those things that you talked about. And I'm not, this isn't a direct one-to-one comp, Ryan, but (laughs) the discussion of a smaller corner who plays like he's a lot bigger and makes really good plays on the ball when it's in the air it, it, I'm not saying he's Clark Phillips, but it just that that description immediately reminded me of what <laughs> Clark Phillips has done at Utah. All I'm saying it's not is that, that he could, he could have that kind of an impact, though, as a smaller guy that plays way above his size profile. It's very rare. There's not a lot of guys that do it. A lot of times, these smaller corners that are five foot eleven below, they get thrown in the slot. They're usually not that aggressive as tacklers, but he is the complete opposite, total 180 of that, despite being listed. At five foot eleven, and, and even though he is five foot eleven, it is just a crazy, uh, uh, just what a compliment to him that he's the most physical guy out of this group. Because I do think, as a whole, this group is not the uh, soft diva like corners that people out there might presume them to be at times. You know, no, this no. group is you know bring your hard hat to work and like let's get it on type of group. And I like that aspect of it. I think Malik is just probably the top of the list in that group because of how fearless and reckless he does play at the position. Um, but you're absolutely right. I mean, just again, that seven on seven, you know, I would love to see him, you know, in the off season because yeah, his just ability to just track the football is extremely impressive. And, and that's why I brought up that center fielder type of safety aspect for him going forward. Because again, to Ryan's point and to what you said too, Joe earlier, just, the versatility of these football players is important, and he plays into that for sure. And I think he's really important for the University of Texas as well because yeah. right now what we're seeing with Texas is they're getting a lot of nice athletes. Like you talk about Bijan Robinson and Xavier Worthy and Quinn Ewers, a quarterback, and there's a lot of really good athletes. But I think what's going to take them to the next step under Coach Sark is – these type of tone setters, right? These guys that are going to challenge you, get up into your grill. They're, I think they are program changer, changers in degree. Not not in the sense of, hey, do I know if Malik Muhammad's going to be an All-American player at the next level? I'm not sure. But what I know is that every day in practice and every game that Malik Muhammad plays, he's going to challenge you. He is going yeah. to demand the best out of every receiver across from him in practice. And then he's going to go and he is going to give you everything he has on every Saturday. So I think this is a tone setter. I think this is a program-changing element in his personality, which I think is something that we can't understate because I think Texas needs that moving forward. They're getting great athletes. They also need the personalities that are going to push the envelope and challenge the talent to get to its highest peak. Yeah, that's a great point. No, absolutely. And and Texas is a program that is kind of getting there. They're close. They're not necessarily there yet entirely. And you get a guy like Muhammad who – I think out of everyone else we've discussed, besides Cormani McLean, I think that he's got the second highest likelihood to play early because at the very least, you can put him out there at the slot. Like I think that you could start him in the slot. You can ask him to to drop back a little bit. There's some versatility to his usage, but I think it makes sense to make that argument 
with a weaker Texas defense that is not super well-rounded and has some. Well, yeah, because AJ's going to Georgia. That's why. Yeah. <laughs> right. No, but that's part of the, the, the conversation here with any of these guys yeah. getting them on the field early is who's ahead of them. How are they? How's the talent currently there? McLean's obviously in the best situation, but here we're talking about a guy who's stepping into an improving Texas team. And I think, again, he could step right into the slot until he's able to work his way to the outside after his first season. And Ryan's point, I think, is spot on, too, as far as just like a program shifting type of guy, right, that getting him in. One, it's extremely important that he's staying in state. You know, unlike A.J. Harris, who was leaving Alabama to go to Georgia, you know, he is skipping one of the greatest programs in the history of college football to go three states over and play at Georgia. So that's super impressive. So great job by Sark and them landing a guy that's in their state. That's always important. Um, you know, the really cool thing I think too, is let's just keep in mind as the big picture is, you know, Georgia was in the same situation, not that long ago. You know, it was just, I feel like a few years ago where it's like, oh, Georgia's close, you know, we'll see what happens, you know? And now it's like, Georgia is the epitome of college football and what every team is trying to copy and paste to their program to some extent if they can which is very difficult so i i I think that's a it's a huge uh land right there for malik muhammad and for the texas program to get that and to how to start that progress in the right direction for them without a doubt that's a great note to wrap us up on folks thank you for tuning in at joe DeLeon at rising draft at sims complete qb make sure you hit that subscribe button wherever you're tuning in and we'll be back with more. We've got safeties coming up next before we talk about the athlete grouping. So make sure you don't miss out by being subscribed. We'll talk to you later, folks. Enjoy the rest of your week.